welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. If you are finding this podcast for the first time, welcome. This podcast is centered around ordinary people doing extraordinary things, whether anybody sees what they're doing or not. Those people and what they're doing, those are still extraordinary things. It's also centered around mental health, spiritual practices, self-care, emotional intelligence, and also ways that we can be more fully present out in the world and in ourselves and make a difference. If you are paying attention right now, we are in two pandemics. We are in the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I'm in Portland, Oregon, and we are rapidly approaching our 100th day in quarantine. And I gotta say, it is wearing, especially with the beautiful weather. And the pandemic in America that's been going on for over 400 years, which is white supremacy and the oppression of black, brown, and indigenous, trans, queer people. I hope you are paying attention. I hope that you are doing everything you can to show up for racial justice if you're in the United States or wherever you're listening to this, to show up to help elevate the voices of the BIPOC community. If you don't know what BIPOC is, it's black, indigenous, people of color. If you are a white person and you are wanting to call yourself an ally, I hope that you are doing the work of educating yourself. There are so many great books out there written by activists and care workers that will help you not center yourself, but center black and brown voices. Um, it's really important that I am a white person, so it's really important as a white person that I do my own education and that I don't ask that community to educate me, that I go out and I do the work, I spend the money, and I educate myself. I learn how to be quiet. I learn how to listen. I learn how to take criticism. I learn how to change and see my own white supremacy, see the, my own racism, and how the very model of the United States is birthed and born in racism and white supremacy on the backs and with the blood of black and indigenous people. So that said, I thought that I would do something similar that I did a couple weeks ago, and I would go back to a voice that I think is really important to hear, to listen to, and that voice is my daughter's best friend, Tamia Miller. I did, she was the very first person I interviewed, and the story that we get into is around reverse racism, which is not a thing. I'm not going to get into the definition 
and all that because we definitely get into it in the podcast. But I want you to hear her story. The reason it, it's important is often we are changed by hearing the stories of somebody else. It is hard for us to stay distant and standoffish and without empathy when we hear somebody's story. And Tamia very graciously um, agreed to let me interview her. And it is well worth a listen. And if you stay tuned, I'm going to tell you what Tamia is up to right now, where she's headed, and I hope that you stay till the end to hear that. So without further ado, here is my interview with Tamia Miller. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Soul Care with Angie Fatal, and I have my first guest today. Her name is Tamia Miller. You might know her from things like advocacy, mental health, being a good friend, and a great photographer. So you should check her out on her Instagram. Do you have anything you want to plug, Tamia? <laughs> no. <laughs> Say hi, Tamia. Hi, how are you guys today? So the main reason I wanted to talk to Tamia, there's quite a few reasons. She's an incredible person, and she is one of the best friends of my daughter, Brennan. But we had a, not, I wouldn't say an experience together, but there was an experience that she had that then created a way for us to get at that experience. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. <clears throat> Actually, I'm going to let Tamia tell you what it is. But first, I want to say it involves something called reversed racism. And I want to say that that is not a thing. And it doesn't matter how much white people, and I am a white person, want to make it a thing, it is not a thing. And if you don't know what reverse raci- racism is, that's okay. That's probably good. <laughs> <laughs> then you don't believe in it. Um, the reason it's not a thing is racism and prejudice are two, prejudice are two different things. Prejudice, anybody can be. You can be prejudiced if you are a white person against poor white people. You can be prejudiced against pretty much anybody. You can be a person of color and be prejudiced. You can be anybody and have prejudice and or judgments. And but the thing is with racism. Racism takes a power structure and the power structure of colonialism and white power that have existed. I can only speak from living in the United States, but it takes a power structure to make racism. It takes one power exerting power generationally over another, which is black and brown people. So, in order for racism to be a thing, you have to have a benefit. And white people have benefited from racism and black people have not. So that is my definition. Tamia, 
as a brown woman do you have? Would you edit it at all or? No, it sounds just about right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's complicated because I did a little bit of reading and I think it's not complicated, but people have made it complicated mm-hmm. by making. What if situations. Yeah. And... Or also like making prejudice the same as racism mm-hmm. and they're not. And when you separate the two, you realize that they're not the same thing and they never were. So, but that brings me to our story. And I would like to Mia to tell you because it happened in her school and it happened to her personally. So to me, if you can tell me, you don't have to get into details, but whatever you're comfortable with sharing about what happened in the classroom. So you don't have to give names. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they would know <laughs> who complained about it now. Mm-hmm. That time's passed. So it was my sophomore year of high school, rising senior now. So about <laughs> two years ago, and it was in my history class. This teacher had already given me like bad vibes. So by the end of the year, I would say I miss at least a third to a half of his class looking back at my absences I did get an eight though that was not not stopping me from my GPA but yeah it definitely was a tough situation but pretty much it boiled to, down to him that he believed in reverse racism and he and through the next couple of weeks he tried to like prove to me that it was real and that my experiences were invalid um the day it happened, I just walked into the classroom, and I was late, of course, because, like, don't want to be there. If I can't skip the class, I'm not going to be there the full period. Um, and him and my fellow peers were talking about, like, racism and reverse racism, and a student asked him if it was real, and he said yes. And being in history class, it definitely brought up some red flags. I mean, it was just definitely wrong. Yeah. But yes. it definitely brought up some red flags. Like, it was U.S. history, too. So it's like... Which is a lot, lot of racism. Exactly. So it was just like, oh. And another student was arguing with him that it wasn't real. And then I sat down in my seat because I was like, I already know this is not going to like gonna sway the way I want it to sway. But I, And this was the time I started my like activism journey, I guess you could say. So I definitely wasn't as confident as I am now, mm-hmm. but I definitely asked him, like, how is it real? Because racism is systematic. And then he went onto Google and, like, typed out the thing and found his own little definition. Because if you type up, type up racism right now, yeah. it says systematically, but, like, he found an article yeah. that said it wasn't. And Also, was, you like, can type in reverse racism and somebody will tell you it's real. Exactly. So it was <laughs> just definitely... Him twisting the truth for his benefit. Again, racism, that's systematic in itself, especially being in a school where it's like a teacher-student dynamic. Um, Yeah, he used his power. Exactly. And I did go, me and my mom did make a complaint, and still nothing was really done because they wanted us to take our time out of our lives and go to the district and make a complaint Mm. and all that. Which means your mom has to take time off work. Exactly. You have to take time off school. Exactly. Which, again, is a form of systematic racism. Exactly. And it became very, very um, difficult for me because I, like, love to learn and I love to be 
like I do like to go to school like it's just like very it gives me something to do it's very interesting to me I flourish at it so him taking apart taking away my safety at mm-hmm. school was yeah. definitely like very hard for me yeah. and it was especially weird because he wasn't necessarily mean to me it was more like a token type of thing like he enjoyed arguing with me because it gave him a sense of like moral power as a white yeah, man yeah i guess <laughs> and so if there was like a question in class about race or gender or sexuality i would always be looked at and it's mm. not my job to educate you nor my fellow white peers about anything exactly. even though like that's something that i may do outside of school or maybe yeah. inside of the school but at the same time in a place where you are supposed to be teaching me, I haven't. Yeah. I shouldn't be teaching you about that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Well, thank you. That's that's how I remember it, and I remember you. I remember you coming over and telling me about it with mm-hmm. Brennan, and because I think it was like a Wednesday or a Thursday, so like yeah. I came over pretty. Yeah, to soon. me, it came over once a week. We got, <laughs> we ate really yummy food that she and Brennan cooked, mm-hmm. and we watched shows. Um, but I remember because there has been a lot of, there had been a lot of talk and still is talk about when people have to spend their time educating other people. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, white women have to spend their time educating white men do you remember what that definition is called to me where it's like it's your labor it's your emotion you're not getting oh, paid um, for your emotion is it emotional labor it's like um, yeah something like that okay. I know exactly so to me and I are calling it emotional about. labor I know exactly what you're so about. I remember you coming over and then not only did you have to confront your teacher mm-hmm. which is fucked up yeah We're, they're swearing on this podcast I'm not deleting that and then on top of it you had to go to the principal. Mm-hmm. You had to do all of the labor, yeah. which again is systemic racism. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying how nothing was being done. So I want to ask you, I mean, it's been two years, but it's a formative time. Mm-hmm. If you can describe, like, how did you feel in that moment? Mm-hmm. One, I felt, like, a little disappointed, but not because of, like, the big overall it being racism, because racism isn't disappointing to me because it's happening. Like, it's not a surprise. But I was definitely disappointed because I had to confront my own teacher and a teacher that I liked at the beginning of the year and a teacher that the whole school liked. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely very disappointing. I felt a little... I'm overwhelmed with my own um, like emotions and like everyone else's emotions mm-hmm. because like I told people because like I'm not gonna like just not say anything especially if there's a bunch of witnesses it's not like it's not gonna get yeah. talked about so I did tell people so I felt under overwhelmed because like they were like pressuring me to say something or like they're so they're not necessarily pressuring me but giving me so much support like I felt like I had to do something yeah. about it do you feel um, like then you kind of by default what happens a lot of time is then you become like the poster child yeah. for mm-hmm. a movement. Like, yeah. Because it happened to you, now you're the person. What if you don't, it's like a rape victim mm-hmm. should not have to be the one Detect- doing 
Yeah. Like, you know, doing the, being the detective yeah. on their, like, case. Like, that's Yeah, and you, about, yeah. you shouldn't have to do that either. Did you, did you feel disempowered that you would have to, like, did it take you some time to get your power, feel like you got your power back? Yeah, I'm. I don't feel like I ever lost anything because, like, I'm. I've always been a person that validates myself. Yeah. So, like, for him to say anything didn't like necessarily like make me feel like I was unvalidated, even though his actions did like yeah. do that. But it definitely gave me a lot more confidence to like speak up and say something about yeah. it. So now we're gonna flash forward to the experience that Tamia and I had together. Which came from something, again, that we're not going to get into all of the reasons why this is wrong and messed up, which is not protecting... (laughs) Yeah, the podcast isn't that (laughs) true to me. You know, when you do not value the safety of children within the school system, they're continually victimized Mm -hmm. and with shooting and gun violence, but I think... A week or two later, there was a bomb threat at Brennan and Tamiya's school. And we had been talking for probably about two years since we first met you yeah. about trying to get to the archery range and mm-hmm. do archery. And it just hadn't worked out. And so I had, Brennan had called me from school, told me what was going on, said that she was too afraid to stay. And I was like, well, you don't have to stay. And then said, well, do you mind if Tamia comes over? And, of course, no, because I love you. (laughs) And uh, so when I was on my way to pick them up, I realized, well, I think it was before I left, I realized, oh, we could go to the archery range. Mm -hmm. We could turn this. In my mind, I thought we would be doing some shooting maybe around the bomb threat. Yeah. Uh, Because there's a lot of fuel around that, too. So... But I texted Brennan and I asked her, hey, would you guys be open to going to the archery range? And she talked to you. And I mean, you guys weren't prepared, nothing. Nothing. We hadn't planned it. But I showed up, brought the equipment, and we went up to Washington Park where Mm -hmm. our free range is. And one of the things that I do... I love archery, but I'm not interested in just teaching people archery. Mm -hmm. I want to teach people how to get freedom, feel empowered, feel good in their bodies, especially women and people that are constantly targeted, Mm -hmm. like the queer community, the black and brown community, the immigrant community, women, you name it. Um, and so, you know, we got up there and we're talking and I, I think I'm running you through it going, okay, so if you have something that you're mad at <laughs> or something that's been bothering you, we just did a quick version mm-hmm. too. draw it on your target, draw it big. It's on a little piece of eight by 12 paper with some Sharpies and, um, you're like, okay. And I don't even remember what Brennan drew. <laughs> Me either. She's got a lot that she's mad about, but no. Anyway, and and I looked down at Tamiya's paper and I'm like, oh, what'd you draw? And he said, oh, I drew my teacher. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And it sounds like I'm, oh, like, oh, you shouldn't shoot it, somebody. Yeah. 
It was never like I was like harming him. No, it was just, like the situation. Exactly. But I was I was more concerned with would Tamia's parents be mad at me <laughs> if I let her shoot at her teacher? So that's the first thing I asked Tamia. I was like, hey, do you think your parents will care? You know, I don't want them to be mad or. And you said no. And so I'm going to give you what I noticed, which I thought was beautiful. So so a little background, too, is Brennan, Brennan has changed a lot since, since that time. But she never would go shooting mm-hmm. with me because she only wanted to go shooting when nobody was up at the archery range. Yeah. Which you can't predict or make happen. That day was special because it was a little muddy. Yeah. Like- and because you were there, mm-hmm. it gave her, like, she wasn't alone. You guys were helping each I'd other. Because I had never done it before. Yeah. And so she always thought she was, like, so bad at it. Yeah. So it was, like, gave her comfort that she knew that, like, there was someone that yeah. would be. Which is funny because she saw me do it for the first time <laughs> and I was not good. But, you know, we all have judgments about our, about the way we should do something or whatever. But we set up our targets and then... You know, I'm teaching you. And the thing that I remember... First, the thing that I remember is... Watching you and Brennan go from being kind of slumped over in your shoulders. Which is common because we're not used to using like that upper body. It uses very specific muscles Mm. that most of us in our daily life don't use. Even people that work out don't often use that... You can't see me, but I'm pointing <laughs> to my shoulder. Um, and, but I remember like watching you two and you're giggling. And then as it gets, you know, how it usually plays out is, you know, five minutes of teaching mm-hmm. and then you do it. And then you're trying to remember all the pieces that I teach you. It's it's messy in the beginning and then everybody starts to get kind of good in the middle and then you start to kind of get bad tired, again yeah. because your your muscles are tired. But I watched you and Brennan go from being slumped over to fully mm-hmm. opening your shoulders, embodying yourself, mm-hmm. which was super powerful. And then something happened that I'm going to, do you remember what it was? I mean, I remember a lot of things. I'm <laughs> but I want you to... T- so, I have my my takeaway was... Like hitting my target dead yes. on. Yeah. But my takeaway was it was really powerful. Yeah. But I, want, I would like you to speak. You were like, what, 15? Mm-hmm. We had just had a bomb threat at your school, which is messed up. And then you're out there shooting at your teacher who believes in re- reverse so racism. Long. How did you feel? And what is what was your experience? Before, I was definitely so frustrated because school was just, like, so unsafe. Whether it was, like, physically, emotionally, mentally. Like, I just didn't want to be there at all. And that was, like, not normal for me. So when we did that, that was, like, good. You know, like, people say when they work out to, like, de-stress. Like, this was definitely, like, a de-stressing moment. And what I liked most about it was, like, I love shooting, of course, like, the breathing that came with it, because mm-hmm. that definitely felt, like, empowering, like, when you take a deep in, deep breath in, your shoulders, you know, they, like, come forward, like, they go back, and you're, like, in a certain position, and that just felt so nice, and then when you let go, everything just seems, like, drain out of you, mm-hmm. and then when I Ooh, hit it, good. yeah, and then okay. I hit it perfectly on the mark, that was, like, the cherry oh, on the top. do you remember where you hit it? Right on the, no, on the head. 
One of you guys nailed him right in the eye socket. Oh yeah, that, and one actually, of you, yeah, 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 and yeah. one of you hit him in the neck. I think Brennan hit him in the neck. And I think you hit him directly in the eye, which and then we were laughing because it was and that was like your last. I think we were like, yeah, that's we're gonna be done. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to jinx it. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, I could not have said it better because that's one of the things like the breath and then. But letting everything flow out of mm-hmm. you. And from my observation, it's just a template. Yeah. I mean, not just. I love archery, and I think it's a really good way to feel empowered mm. very quickly. Yeah. Like you're literally shooting yeah, something. exactly. <laughs> and you're not harming somebody. Someone. But what yeah. I felt, too, it's a, it's a great template. It works every time. What I observed is whatever power he still had and what I mean by that is he didn't have power over you but that event created fear like any negative emotions yeah, yeah. is it he lost it yeah. when you especially when you nailed him in the eye and Brennan nailed him in the neck there was something that I mean you you have to be there kind of to experience it but you guys walked away and we were laughing mm-hmm and he lost whatever power he still had. It was kind of like over and then me just finding a way to like deal with actually having to go to his class. It wasn't me trying yeah. to like battle the emotions I had inside anymore. What, did you, because I hadn't even thought about that. Did it affect the way that you went back into class? Did you feel differently? Because I never asked you that. Um, I just kind of felt like it's like nothing's going to change. Like why sweat over it? Yeah. So it was just kind of like... Hmm. And he wasn't, like, the best teacher either. Like, I could do an assignment four months late and still get 100% on it. So it was kind of just, like... it's really phoning it Yeah, it kind of felt like I was being babysitted the whole period. So it was, like... Yeah. I didn't feel, like, so wound up. You know, when you get so nervous and anxious and frustrated before you have to do something. Yeah. I just, like, I didn't feel like that anymore. That's amazing. I mean, and that's all, I mean, really, that's all I want for people. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've done a lot of things. You've done a lot of things in your life. I haven't done a lot of things where I'm learning something new, and then in five minutes, I start to feel powerful. Mm-hmm. I just haven't, like, you know, I run or jog or whatever. It feels good some of the time. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. There's endorphins, but it's not the same kind of like, oh. Don't mess with me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it... I don't know. I'm trying to, like, explain the emotion it gave me. But, like, when I was in that classroom after it happened, like, I would just reflect and think about that and try to apply that feeling and that mm. empowerment into the current moment. So it definitely was, like, also, like, a coping mechanism. Even though I didn't do it every day, Yeah. I could, like, try to, like, envision myself in that place. That's awesome. Well, and you know, I take you anytime. Mm-hmm. We'll do you just it again. say the word. We should definitely do it again. Because mm-hmm. it never happened for like the women's empowerment yeah. group, but I wanted it to. Yeah. But I just want to thank you for thank giving you. me your time. Mm-hmm. Of course. Because you are a really powerful woman. Thank you. And I've had the privilege of watching you grow. I mean, for it's been, we're going on our fourth, fourth year. year. But. You've always been strong. I know. 
you've always been strong, but I'm watching you embody your strength mm-hmm. more and more unapologetically owning your space in the world, which is exciting. I, yeah, it's definitely very exciting. Yeah. So thank you. Do you want to plug your Instagram, Tamia? Um, my Instagram is Tamia, T-A-M-I-A, L. Miller, and that's it. Do you have a, is that your photography too? No, my photography is in my bio, so I won't even, okay. it's all right there. Okay. Everything's linked, my Twitter, everything. So check out Tamia's photography because it is beautiful, <laughs> and she's a really good photographer, and she's going places. Well, you're already someplace, but you're going other places. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you for listening and share this so that other people can learn about reverse racism. They can learn about the wisdom that Tamia brings because I have my own experience with archery, and everybody's experience is very personal to them. But she put words on it that I... You put words on it. You're right here. She's here <laughs> still. You put words on it that I... Because you have a different experience. Yeah. That completely, like, now I'm going, ooh, I just learned something new about... Like, I think the takeaway for me, Tamia, is you saying... There's a couple things. When you breathe in and then you breathe out and release mm-hmm. the arrow, you're letting it all go. Yeah. So that's one takeaway that I had, which is really powerful. And then a huge one, which I'm going to stick in my back pocket. Because I'm really grateful to you. I'm getting a little emotional because no, it's powerful. It's okay, of course. Is to you then went to that place every day that you had that class. Mm. And if you felt nervous or you felt worried you could then go back to that moment of shooting him in the eyeball remember listeners it was a drawing that she made (laughs) in case you're worried and embody your power again yeah so i want to take that away that's a huge thing so thank you i appreciate you and if you're interested in doing your own archery workshop setting it up for your business or you want to give it to your grandkids get on my website and look through my shop. I offer a lot of different options at angiefatal.com. Thanks. Bye. Wasn't that a great interview? Tamia is a genius, and I love listening to her. Her observations, and you can hear it in the podcast, were things that I hadn't thought about that hadn't occurred to me. And... I am so grateful that we have a future with leaders like Tamiya in the world. I mean, it gives me hope. I know right now things can feel very hopeless, but we have a world with people like Tamiya that are not going to allow themselves to be shut down and turned off and quieted and silenced. And she embodies that. And I'm so thankful that I know her. I'm so thankful that she's a faithful friend to my daughter. And that they also have a really... It's a beautiful friendship where they can call each other out on things and still stay friends. It's I haven't seen a relationship like theirs in high school. They really can say hard things to each other and are models that... Friendships can survive that. So we can also survive 
people saying hard things to us that we need to change. So where is Tamia now? Well, she is trying to survive all of the stuff that's going on in our world. And so she was going to be on like an updated, she was going to be on this podcast again, just saying for herself where she's at, where she's headed. But it is really intense right now. And she decided to take some self-care. And I said, yes, I think that that is important to listen to your body and take care of your emotions and do what you need to do to survive what's going on right now and continue to show up. So she agreed to let me do this part. She is headed off to the University of San Francisco. She will be going there for four years. And at this point, she is looking into studying psychology. She also was one of the few recipients of the Jordan Wing Scholarship of 2020, which is a huge deal. And... She was the senior class president of Jefferson Middle College, where Tamia and my daughter Brennan both went. And she graduated with honors, et cetera, et cetera. All of that is very important. She worked her ass off, and because she worked her ass off, you know, she's, she's getting to go to her dream school, all of this stuff. As important is the fact that she is someone that continues to show up, continues to use her voice, continues to make her voice heard, not just for other students, but for things that she's passionate in this world, passionate about in this world. And I think that that is as important. Yes, all of the honors and scholarships, all of that stuff is huge. Also as huge is she is a good person that cares about her world. And you see that in everything that she does and the relationships that she has with other people. I do want to say that I asked her permission to do this. If you would like to donate to Tamiya's College Fund. In the show notes, I will have a link to her Venmo, and you can give anything that you feel like giving, but anything that you give to Tamiya will go towards her being able to move through college as freely as possible. It's hard. That's a hard adjustment. And the more money, the more buffer she has, against debt, the more easily she can move into that next phase of her life. So if you would like to donate to Tamiya's College Fund, again, I will have all of that information in the show notes. I want to leave you with a few thoughts. One of the things that I want to remind everybody, you are where you are. If before this podcast, you thought that reverse racism was a thing, and now you're like, oh, I had no idea. I can see that it's not. And I'm going to work towards 
undoing all of these things that I believe that are not true. If you feel shame about your whiteness and how that has advanced you in the world, that's okay too. But remember that our shame typically locks us in. It doesn't set us free to do the deep work of of ending racism. It just freezes us and we get stuck in the shame of something. Be fearless in your looking at your privilege. Be fearless in looking at the systematic racism and white supremacy that are in the United States and wherever country you are residing. I guarantee you there's some kind of racism wherever you are too. But remember, the work is the important thing because we cannot move forward. We cannot help each other. We cannot do the long haul of racial justice work if we will not look, if we get frozen. And it's okay to get frozen and then kind of go, okay, I, I got to self-care. I've got to do what I need to do to return back to the work. That's okay. But it is not okay to get frozen and not return to the work because this work is life or death for the BIPOC community. They can't stop working. White people have the privilege to go, oh, okay, I'm tapping out. My life doesn't depend on it. But if you do the deep internal work of looking at this stuff, then your life does depend on it because your life is then wrapped up with the lives of other people in your community that are not benefiting from being white. So remember that it's okay to get caught off guard or locked up for a little bit, but do the work to get unlocked. Ask for help, not from people that are fighting for their lives right now. Ask other people that you know that are doing the work to dismantle white supremacy to help you. Ask for help. Don't be so afraid of getting it wrong and making a mistake that you don't do anything. I think that is the biggest thing that stopped me when I started to do this work is I was so afraid of hurting somebody, offending somebody. It was the same thing that I felt, you know, when I started using pronouns. I was so afraid of getting it wrong and hurting somebody. But really, it was not about hurting somebody is it was as much about me being called out for hurting somebody. And that is not okay. I have to be willing to be called out so that I can change. Every relationship has that component to it. Every relationship that's worth their salt, maybe I should say. If you want to have a deep friendship with somebody they have to be able to call you out on stuff that hurts them. And you have to be able to enter into working it out if it's possible. Relationships with partners. You know, if you're in a married relationship, if you're in a 
partnership relationship, whatever kind of relationship you're in, if it is a deep relationship, it requires you to be able to be called out on something and to be able to call out. Right now, we have to, as white people, any of my listeners that are in the BIPOC community, this is not for you. You don't need to do this for me right now. Any white person needs to be able to be called out. You cannot shift. You cannot be anti-racism if you cannot be called out. If you cannot handle somebody saying, hey, it hurt me when you said that, or getting angry. They don't even have to say it in a kind way. We have to be able to take it. Yes, it's uncomfortable. But like we've said over and over, we, like I've said over and over again in this podcast, we can handle something uncomfortable for a small amount of time for something beautiful to take shape, something new to take shape, something different to take shape. So please be able to be uncomfortable. Be able to sit in your own discomfort and let somebody say to you what they need to say to you so that you can be a safe person. Because safety begins with us being able to be uncomfortable and be called out. And when we can do that, we can move forward as true allies, not people that have the lingo right. If you're waiting to do social justice, if you're waiting to do racial justice, or if you're waiting to fight white supremacy until you have the lingo down, you're never going to do it. Be okay to be in the mess and say sorry and really make amends. Don't just say, well, I'm sorry, I blew it or whatever. Why are you so sensitive? Whatever kind of bullshit sorry that people do that's not a real sorry. A real sorry is, I see what you're saying. Repeat it back to them. Engage in it. And then work towards amends if you can make an amends and if you can't amend amend it in yourself by doing the work we can do this we can dismantle white supremacy in this country if we are willing to be uncomfortable so please be willing to be uncomfortable because this world needs us to do that remember that you are worth knowing that you are worth loving that you are worth being in this world. That doesn't change because you don't, you don't have it right. You don't have it exact. You're not saying exactly the right thing. You are still worth knowing. You are still worth loving. You are still worth being in this world. Remember who you are because this world needs you to remember who you are, the real you that can stand up and not be silent in the face of white supremacy and adversity. You can do it. Thank you for listening. You can find me pretty much anywhere. You can find me on my website at angiefatal.com. You can find me on Instagram at angiefatalsoulcare. And you can find me on Facebook at angiefatalsoulcare. I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to know what you're up to. And I'd love to know what you'd like to hear on the podcast. So please take care of yourself. Stay safe and sane out there. We are still in a global pandemic. 
and we are still going to show up for racial justice. Take care. Goodbye.